Hello and welcome to another late show. I'm Albert Bogle and I'm joined today or this evening with our usual presenters, Laura Dagen. Good evening, Hello. Laura. Hello, everyone. Great to be here. And also I'm joined by uh, Doc, well, Doc Jimis, Jimison, Ian Jimison. Are you with us, Ian, there? Hey, guys, I'm always with you. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know, Ian and Laura, we've got two special guests with us tonight. Uh, we have with us Craig Mackay, who is the, I think, is the CEO of uh, Refuel, uh, which is a Christian posh. festival. And uh, also we've got with us Brian Honey Morgan, and uh, Brian's with us, and he's going to be talking Hi. about the Hive. Yes. So there you go. And so what has Refuel and the Hive got in common? Oh, I hope we do. I hope we do. Yeah, so we're going to be thinking about these things. So I think it's going to be a great evening. So stick with us as we start to go through thinking about Refuel, which is actually a Christian festival, which is trying to make a difference in Scotland and trying to bring about unity amongst the various denominations, trying to help people to work together and uh, see things in a new way. And also we've got with us uh, Brian, who's going to be telling us about food wastage. So let's get started. What you, Laura? Yeah, well, I'm I'm really excited about tonight. So um, and I'm really excited that Craig is with us Bless because you. well, we're we're going to be bringing a team up to Refuel this year. But I have I, I know people that have been completely their faith has been transformed by Refuel, like lives have been transformed Hallelujah. by Refuel, and so it will. Why actually? Why is it called? Why is it called refuel, Craig? And and what is it that you endeavour, you know, to 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 do with with this festival? Yeah, thank you, and yeah, we can't wait to see you guys there. I just get this impression you're going to be the most colourful and loudest and most vibrant uh, tent in the park. I've got that feeling already, <laughs> just from being with you for a few minutes tonight. But no, refuel. It says what it does. Uh, it does what it says. It's there to to renew uh, kingdom people. Uh, it's to let them just, you know, when you step out, when you step away from the norm, and we all know this in our Christian lives, don't we? Even when we're young, when we went to youth camps and things, when you step out from the norm, things happen. Jesus meets you in a special way. And so that is what happens. We just, we're calling people to gather to just recharge, renew, refuel, revisit, uh, rewind, recreate, just to chill. And in amongst that, in amongst that demonstration of unity, we know that there's so much blessings come as an automatic and very easy bycatch, if that's a word, of just being together. Yeah, and so is it. Um, so for those who, um, so for those who have never been, um, it, it, where, where is it, Craig? And well. and like, what's the setup? Well, do you know what we 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 we, we kind of went around all of Scotland looking for a, a place for this and. And far from it, far from me wanting to do something on my own back door, we were looking for places all over the all over the you know, various cities, various parts of the country, and we landed at Gordon Castle in Fockabers, which is the most beautiful um, fishing and hunting estate, which has got a wonderful ancient history of revival. The fifth Duchess of Gordon who owned the lands across the northeast here. She was an ardent revivalist. And there's a story in the 1880s, on the very same week as we did our first refuel, there's a story of her welcoming thousands of people to the north uh, from all over the country. Um, and hundreds were saved. And we didn't know that. When we you know, arrived at the word refuel, arrived at the venue, arrived at this call to do it here, then we found out that there's an ancient well 
on the lands of the Fifth Duchess of Gordon, who's just a, she loved Jesus. And there's lots of uh, history about that lady uh, to this day. So yeah, so refuel, that's why, and the location's beautiful. It's just, and, and you know what? We get a bit of grief for why are we not doing it in the central belt? You know, I would like to, I'd like to go on a wheel holiday myself down south. But um, we are calling people to come on a holiday. And to mm -hmm. go on a holiday, you've, you've got to step out. You've got to pack the car, fill the boot. Um, so in some sense, it's actually easier uh, and more attractive to those coming from all over Scotland and beyond. And Europe, people coming from all over. And America yeah. this year as well. Yeah. So it really is. The location is gorgeous. It's Morrisshire, if you've ever been there, it's just got everything. There's a really uh, rich heritage of tourism here. Um, great landscapes. You're in a, sh a short run to all the amazing spots of the northeast. And there is definitely a very thin place under God at the moment. He, there's, he's blessing what we do there in the, on those fields every year. It, yeah. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you what comes across to me. There's almost that kind of spooky prescience to all of this, isn't there? You know that um, there's been this rich Christian scene um, in this thin place becoming manifest now. That that really excites me. Is that the kind of vibe that, that there is when you're oh, there? When we heard that, you know, when we planted ourselves there and then heard there was history, you can imagine how excited we got, Ian. And yes, there definitely is. And the estate owners who are believers, they're very supportive of us. They see the blessing that comes from unity. They see the blessing that uh, comes upon their lands as they invite Christians and kingdom people from all over. So the, yeah, there is, it's deeply spiritual. And with the rain we experienced in year one, there was such a covering of grace. It was miraculous. Mm -hmm. No one remembers the rain. That was a miracle yeah. in itself. Oh, I feel that this year, actually, I think something special is going to happen because, you know, you, you can sense, you know, the Lord really moving. Um, and, and like you can, you know, especially like with the with, you know, the students um, in, in America. And I, I just feel that I think as well, because you guys are doing something different this year, um, which you can tell people about, um, that there's this there's this opening i feel as if there's like this opening up um yeah. and i really sense something special is going to happen but this year it's it's free isn't it craig it is and that's the new way we're keeping a very loose hand as you say laura we we stopped this last year we were five years in we had some momentum and the lord brought us to a halt halfway through you know going through our planning and, and welcoming tickets the lord stopped us in our tracks at christmas 2021 it was and said look i've blessed what you've done for five years i've accommodated this wineskin that you've kind of copied from new wine and creation fest and all these other things spring harvest and i blessed it but he called us to do something different and amongst all the things he called us to do which i'm going to be explained later um it was to be free and to keep a very loose hand on things and to let the church let the church demonstrate and create what refuel looks like rather than us prescribe who's speaking, who's teaching, who's singing, what, what happens in the field is to invite the entire church to come as you are, as you guys are, and demonstrate your heart, your DNA and your expression. And that is really exciting. And people are really getting on board with that. We have no idea what it's going to look like. It will look like the church in all of expressions and all of its beauty. That's our prayer. Oh man, that cannot be better. Brian, tell me, um, tell me all about the Hive. What's the overall vision of Hive? Right, so the overall vision is um, we are driven by uh, um, feeding people and um, saving our planet. That's, that's top level. That's, yep. what, that's, what we've, that's what we're looking to do. That's the and, mission. Uh, 
that that is so when you look at um so our tagline is what starts here feeds the world yeah. uh it's free free to us so it's free to you and um so the hives mission through its process delivers a negative carbon solution it gives industrial volumes of food longevity and as uh, a highly nutritious vacuum sealed meal which is now ready to eat with no charge to the end user. This meal goes some way to helping those one in three corners children who are suffering from food insecurity. So we believe over time there'll be a social return on investment here that will reduce health benefits to those communities who've consumed our food. So when you we you know when you look at the there's four factors. So what's the size of the prize here, right? So there's the social, there's the health and well-being, there's the environmental, and then there's the economic factors. And each one of those has, uh, where food has an impact and has a cost. So as a social cost, there's a well-being, health cost, an environmental cost, and an economic cost. So just to caveat, any of the, any of the stats that I um, basically say, they're not, they're not my stats, they're not stats that I've just thought up or just looked up somewhere these are stats from either local government central government uh, at the fao so the un and or rap defra or from our academics who we are friends with so we've partnered with x university um sustainability department and they've done many phd studies on on us short papers um so uh yeah so this is we are data-led and data-driven so any of the things that I'm saying now, they're, they're not they're not mine. They're they're basically in the public domain. So we we take food from our primary source and we make that into a nutritious meal by, um, but we do it on an industrial scale. So we uh, so our farmers they they they'll farm and th- there'll be overproduction. Um, that's part and parcel of the process. They. That you know they're they're not to blame for this, and actually no one's to blame. It, it it's a broken system that we have. Um, no one's to blame for it, but it's there now. We you know it, it, the paradox of abundance is that there is a, you know one in the a third of everything which is produced is destroyed, and 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 as a direct result of that, you 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 um you know you look at this and you think well. Look, if a third of everything that's being produced is then destroyed, how is it making money, right? So when you compare this to any any other business sector, you think, oh, how's that how's that possible? But you know, our food industry contributes uh, one hundred and sixteen point two billion pounds to our economy and uh, employs uh, four million people. So um, it's not doing badly from destroying a third of everything it creates. Wow. Now, so so if you take that now, I, I'm from. I've worked in five different business sectors at a very senior level, and and if I can tell you now, if if we had whole numbers of um, scrap, spoil, or wastage, then we would be out of business within a well, in days, in some instances, absolute days. It, you know, it would go into liquidation. Imagine this. Imagine this. Imagine um, Ford producing. Three cars and then throwing one away. Wow! But that, you know, I mean, Brian, Brian, when you're saying that, I, my head goes to the church, and I can tell you, it's the same story. There is a great wastage in the church 
because somehow if you don't fit in, if you're not the right shape, you're not accepted. So here you are, I'm just throwing that in. This is what happens in this discussion. We go off planet. We go off key. In actual fact, we don't because we use the Holy Spirit, speaks to us about these things and says, speak it out, Albert, speak it out. So think about that as we go along. So instead of getting smug as church people, you know, think, oh, that, that, that food industry is really doing, not, you're not doing very well. I wonder what the Lord's saying about us. Are you, are you, are you comparing me to a warty, curly, and unshaped turnip? Uh, as a <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not sure about this, Albert. <laughs> that's what I am. Or, what are you? <laughs> go for it. Anyway, sorry for interrupting you, Brian, in mid-flow. No, no. I mean, look, this is about, you know, all of this. Uh, you know, Christ did all his work around food, right? Everything was done, you know, essential to his, uh, to his mission. And... You know, the wedding at Cana, the, the feeding the 4,000, the 5,000. The, all of these different events were centered around food. And food matters. It brings us together. It burns us as a community. Amen. It feeds our spirit. It feeds our, our, our bodies. And actually, you know, there's, there's many, I've, you know, the, the, the food touches us in a way that no other product does, really. Mm. And... And yet we don't we don't respect it. We're not respecting it. We're destroying it. And yeah. uh, right. So how do we correct that? That's that's the thing. How do you, how do we create that? Now I, now I look at this as the either the circle of influence or the circle of concern. Now I've got big concerns, but it's within my own influence that we're we're started this. So we started off um, in our first six months of operations. We produced. 142,000 meals that went across Cornwall. We processed 50 tons of food. And we've just, all we've done is utilized an industrial process to, which has only ever been used as a cottage industry. Now, we're the only charity in the UK that's doing this. Well, I, I, it's a brave statement that says the world, but I don't know of anybody and I scout the internet. But yeah, well, see, Brian, this is the thing. Like, I, I am minister in an area in Glasgow where there is a lot of, like, there is deprivation um, and there is, um, you know, there's lots of families coming in as well that are refugees. And and a lot of what I'm seeing is, is that there's people that are relying on food banks or, you know, um, you know, food coming in that's, you know, near enough past its sell-by date being given in by the shops nearby. But actually, some of this is not, um, it's not nutritious. And so I, I then think, well, why are we, you know, you want people, and especially children, um, you know, to be being given nutritious food instead of just things that, that fill them up, you know, thinking about overall health. So, um I, I just think it's wonderful that you're that you're doing this, but I really would like there to be be more. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, how I believe that you've been up talking to the Church of Scotland. Can you can you let us in on some of these conversations, or is that all top secret? Yeah, no, 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 it's not. <laughs> no, it's not top secret. We so how this came about was. Um, because of our success over a two-year period, we were visited by, uh, he was Prince Charles then and Camilla, and uh, during our conversation with him and Edward Belitho, who's the Queen's, or Queen's, or was the Queen's representative, now the King's representative for Cornwall, he asked us whether or not 
this what we were doing the model was translatable could it be duplicated in scotland that that's what he asked and i said absolutely sir could, you know, um yes absolutely translate anywhere we've got 92 counties in the uk and there should be a hive in it in in each one definitely mm. and so uh about maybe six months eight months passed and i didn't hear anything i just thought it was just a passing conversation and then i heard from shirley grieve who asked me to come up and um, give a talk at the big conversation in um, in Glasgow just before Christmas? So these are the priority areas in in um, Glasgow, and uh, uh, it was you know I gave a talk and really really well received by everyone. Who um, and then from then I then had another conversation with Scott Shackleton, uh, who is head of faith groups and mission, and uh, um, I'm I'm actually talking from Edinburgh now because we're in conversation about running a pilot uh, and that pilot will be run here. Um, and um, the intention is, is just to du- duplicate the model of what we've done in Cornwall. Brian, if I could ask a question though, I mean, the, the, what you what you speak about here makes such manifest good sense. Um, it's ex- exactly how we should be viewing food. Um, but there's, big food companies out there. There are people that make their money from food and would quite like there to be, um, you know, a, a more curtailed market. Have you experienced any pushback? Um, I, no, not at all, no. Um, I would say, look, so the retailers are only interested in their in their own product. And um, the people that, you know, when you look at the health stats, it tells everything that you need to know. Oh, yeah. You know, so so they're not even buying this food from the retailers. They're buying, you know, they're eating pot noodle or Haribo, and, you know, and the teeth and the diabetes and obesity says it tells, tells us that. So, um, yeah, we're, we're, what we're offering is a nutritious meal. And I, right, I call it veg by stealth. Right. So this is this is uh, this is how I used to get veg into my kids. Right. So this is I would liquidize, liquidize the veg and I would hide it into a curry or a burrito or a, or a, and you can't taste it. Right. And we do the same. You know, so it goes into a curry or it goes into a bolognese mix. And uh, and by using 70, 30, so 70 percent veg wherever possible to 30 percent protein. This is uh, a nutritious meal that actually is going to. You know, and when when so when you look at put someone's well being, that is food related, not all the time, but it it has a contributing factor. So you're not. So Brian, uh, who makes up your recipes? I'm quite interested. Have you any good chefs? Any celebrity chefs giving us some good recipes? <laughs> yeah, so we we've got a 14 day menu cycle, but this is like ready, steady cooked, just on a huge scale. So our size is mm-hmm. a quarter of a ton, so they're 250 kgs. And it's subject to what we have. But we try and get to a 14-day menu cycle. Now, when we first started out, um, we're really good at making connections and making friends. And we made friends with Rick Stein and Rick Stein Central Production Unit. And he had uh, 16 chefs that at that time during COVID, they weren't doing anything. So they developed lots of the recipes and they helped us. And it really put us on the map. And also we had nine naval chefs. My wife's a naval chaplain, so she works in the Royal Navy. And RNA Cordrose helped us. And a lot of the recipes were developed out of uh, um, uh, RNA Cordrose, the the Royal Navy Air Air Station. And uh, again, we made friends with ESS, who were the um, 
the onboard contractor there and they they helped us um so this is this is a collaboration uh with many many different moving parts and factors so this is logistics this is because uh, you've got to have you know be careful what you wish for right so if you get all the food how are you going to store it where is it going to be stored how are you going to process it yeah. where is the whip so this is the work in progress and then the other side of that is how you then distribute it so how do you then distribute it across uh, and get that food to those people that need it now what we did is we set up five they're called reefer units so these are uh, refrigerated units that are um that are used on the high seas and they've got a three-phased hookup and we set up five of them across cornwall and we would make deliveries of maybe a ton ton and a half up to five ton into those units and that then became hub and spoke for those charities that would uh, pre-existing charities and primary schools that were then distributing from there or charities would come along and collect so we're not a distribution charity in we're a process charity we process the food and then those people that are uh, the that that know their people they're the ones that are distributing the food hey so listen i'm wondering now craig What's your comments on all this? How does this fit into your your your, your summer festival? What, what are you, the folks that come to your summer festival? Would they be interested in hearing all this? And is there a connection here? Well, there's certainly a link at the highest level or a calling for sure. And I just want to say, Brian, in, in all of what you do, it's taking food banks to a completely different level. Brian, I, I applaud you. Um, I think it's amazing. And certainly, I think our response to that would be that. Well, firstly. Our response would be that you know the call to that John seventeen twenty three uh, demonstration of unity might might appear somewhat frivolous in the face of feeding the poor, but 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 when when believers and kingdom people get to a position of knowing who they are in Christ, knowing yeah. the authority they have, knowing that they are saved, um, they become missional. And I think that's what I've been thinking as I'm listening to Brian, because Brian's from south of the border. And with my work with the Filling Station Trust, I, I travel across the border with, with filling stations ac- across the nation. And whether it, was be- whether, it, whether it was because they had a whimber moment, I'm not quite sure if you know what I mean by that, but England had a moment that we, I don't think, have had in Scotland of a move of the spirit. And mm-hmm. I find my English counterparts far more missional far more sacrificial, far more upwards getting on with the work of mission. And that's not to say this, uh, my fellow Scots aren't. Uh, you, know, you know, the Methodist Church evangelised the world. <laughs> but, uh, but at the moment, I think there's definitely a little bit of a poor me in my Scots counterparts uh, in certain pockets. And I think Refuel does, in, in its efforts to demonstrate that John 17, 23 unity, there's a blessing and there's a confidence that comes from being uh, amongst good teaching and they leave more missional than they arrived. And that's when they get to meet uh, ministries like The Hive and Adopt a, Ch- Adopt a Child and all the others that come along that, that are working with those in need across the world. So, yeah, I think, just to, just to finish up, I think I've seen, I've seen attempts to get Scotland missional on a big scale, and I've seen it kind of fall on deaf ears because there isn't a confidence of who we are in Christ. And I think that's where Refuel comes in. We want to renew people's understanding of who they are and, and release them and equip them back into the nation and to the churches inspired to serve and you know, to, to serve the least, the lost and the last. So that's where I see the link with, what's Brian's, with, what's Brian, with what Brian is doing. The great thing about what you're doing, Brian, is also you're reaching right across the community to people of faith and no faith, and they're all getting involved with you in this whole process, 
which is really exciting. Yeah, we've, we've had uh, an amazing take-up. I mean, we've got 61 volunteers who I, I love these people. They're just amazing. I mean, it, it's, it's one of those things, adapt and overcome. And things aren't always right. I mean, this is process. This is manufacturing. It, it, stuff goes wrong all the time. So adapting and overcome. And one thing I would say to this is it's not one glove fits all. So this is not, you know, there are tools in the toolbox for this. And there's many, there's a bigger, bigger, bigger subject here, which we've not discussed, but there's, there's, um, there are other things going on. So R&D, there's uh, education, there's training, there's lots and lots of other things that are going on. But so maybe not all of those suit uh, a different area. So, but what we're hoping to do is to mobilize. So we've mobilized 75 charities across Cornwall and they have collaborated and that's, I use that word collaboration, uh, sharing success is really, really important. And sometimes people are not very good at doing that. They're very protective. And this is all about sharing what we're doing and actually looking at the what is the vision here? What is the mission here? We are here. And if you know, you look at that first moment, that second moment, I will love the Lord God. I will love those people. I, I, and, and how do you demonstrate that? Well, we get alongside, we make friends, we understand, we respect. And in this case, I, we feed them. And they then, uh, they themselves are, are inspired by that. Um, and this is a, a really kind of inspirational, inspiring project, which lots and lots of people want to get involved with. The uh, early days, you know, we were laughed out of the we were laughed at. <laughs> yeah, you're not going to feed the world. Yes, we are. Wait and see. Wait and see. I, t- I tell you now, wait and see. Mm. I oh, love your yeah. vision. I really do oh, love your yeah. vision, Brian. And I do think it's possible to do impossible things and to do things that people think can never happen. It can. And God uses individuals to inspire others to do it. And uh, I think... This is a great conversation we're having because we're moving it worldwide now. We're starting to talk about, I think what you're hinting at is if we can get others to catch the vision, then this vision Mm -hmm. could be a way of helping to feed the world. Yes, and there is enough. There is enough in the world if we just... If we just shared it, you know, if we just, and, and I think as well, if we've seen our brothers and sisters around the world as equals, and, and because, and I think this, like what you're doing, Brian, is so important because it's changing mindsets as well. And because as globally, especially, but it might even happen here, you know, because of climate change and, and we're, we are actually moving into a, into a phase where there is going to be food insecurity and possibly water insecurity as well and and so it does make you think well actually well how do we how do we kind of change mindsets that we can actually think about sharing the resources that we've got and then as a collective you know you know making good nutritious food and then sharing it and oh yeah I, I can see it as a movement you know uh, yeah. Ian, Ian, can I ask you a question? How does this all fit into, say, the national health's kind of approach to food and uh, helping uh, 
depraved communities find a way forward it's, and, and be it's supported? En, it's enormously um, important. I, I mean, um, having the right number of calories on board, um, particularly in children in the early years, um, and having nutritious food um, helps across the board health-wise. Um, you know, the old phrase, you are what you eat, is extremely it's, it's extremely true. There are sound scientific reasons why um, people perform better and do better when they're properly nourished. Um, and there's, you know, right down to mental health. Mental health can be uh, aided and uh, your me mental health can be made better by eating the right kinds of things or not by being hungry um, and not going to McDonald's and having big sugar hits and then sugar lows. Mm. Uh, all of these things affect how we feel and how we react with each other. Um, mm. You know, right up and until you're almost looking at things like addiction is driven by the same kind of mechanisms that hunger um is is driven by it's the same place in the brain that's been stimulated you know so mm -hmm. it's incredibly um it's just i mean it would be hard to underscore just how much nutrition is done uh, we in the medical profession like to congratulate ourselves and pat ourselves on the back that uh, people's longevity and the um uh, you know and a, a better birth rate all of those things are to do with advances in medicine but it's just a load of nonsense actually the big thing that has helped society has been things like food security and a place to lay your head and a lot of the stuff that the hive is it seems to stand for um, and which is included in their core mission so as a medic i say bring it on that should be international um because there's a lot of points out quite quite cogently and as you did yourself, Brian, and I think we all agree there's, there is enough for everyone. We just need to get it to them. Brian, and, yeah. and once, you, once you've got in it, once you've got a template, and this is what this sounds like, once you've got <laughs> a template to do it, then you can use the boots on the ground to distribute it. And that's yeah. amazing. Can I ask, Brian yeah. mentioned, I love saying, the size of the prize. And you're right, the size of the prize at the moment is is the, the meeting the need that's there now, that you know, there's a culture that has not been um, um, assisted and equipped to, to, to cook as well as pre previous generations might have. That, and we're all the same, even this call, we're all conditioned now for convenience food, processed food, takeaway food. You know, if any of us are cooks here, it's, it's, it's becoming a rare thing now. Um, mm. That is a culture that's upon us now. So the size of the prize, Brian, in serving the need, do you have a vision for what's beyond that? that the how do we equip a culture a nation um to get back to the basics of being able to be resilient for with food with basic foods whole foods again i'm noticing that it's processed and it has to be for the moment and i think it's amazing what you're doing that that third wastage turned into processed easily cooked food is amazing but what's the size of the prize beyond that do you have a vision for what we as government at government level and at cultural level we have to do to get back to be able to be able to to, to feed ourselves efficiently, effectively, and cheaply again? It, it, it's about sustainability. Um, that, that, if, I, if I give you um, just one, this is just one example of sustainability that we've developed with our farmers. And it, I mean, this, it, it's entirely doable. So we've got a uh, spud farmer in Hale, and he's uh, around 30 tons a week. And he produces little salad spuds. His name's Simon Rogers. He's an amazing guy. And um, the, the, his uh, his vendor or his, his supplier is, is um, or, or who he supplies to is Waitrose. And they're really, really fussy. 
Now, he ends up with a 10% fallout of the spuds that he um, picks. Um, he gives them to us. So we end up with three tonne and we go through them and we end up with a 10% fallout. So around 2.8 tonnes we end up with uh, uh, per week. And he's got an anaerobic digestion unit on his farm. And we, with our off-cut veg, we went along to Cornwall Council and we asked for a carrier licence to carry uh, waste veg because we were paying Virador £14 a bin and we needed four or five bins a week to fill up with the veg that we were cutting and all the off-cuts. Now we don't do that. What we do is with those three tonne or that point point three of a tonne that we take back to him with our off-cut veg, that all goes back into his anaerobic digestion unit and that produces electricity for his farm and actually goes back into the grid. So it's completely circular. Now that's just one... One, but, but how does that look at the end prize of getting people to be able to use these whole foods themselves eventually, like, like olden days, perhaps? We're, and we're all guilty of this. We're all become convenience food oriented. How do we go beyond the wonderful thing of giving people a, a microbial processed meal? How do we get beyond that in generations to come where young people can't? And yeah. can't, can't how do we do that? Is what I'm saying. Brian. Is, there a, is there a vision beyond ju not just serving? Is there, a, is there a vision beyond serving the need? into equipping people to use what's available uh, if it is available yeah. in the future so there's a there's a whole education piece here exactly um, that's what i'm saying you know, yeah. there, there's a whole education piece Absolutely. this is it, 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 right so there's three elements to this one one is uh r d the other one is um training so we're going to be training um lots of lots of people back into uh, the industry and they, and they come from all walks of life um, and all sorts of different people. Uh, so no one is um, isolated here. Everybody can be involved. Our communities are involved in gleaning projects. So uh, we're um, gleaning and then we're feeding those people, which then goes back into our process again. But this, the, the whole process of that is once you've picked it, how, how are you going to give that food longevity if you don't use it there and then? And that's what that's the hard bit but if you start educating people with respecting the food because they're actually picking it now and now then there's the education piece of uh with families uh about how you process um food properly so annex your neighbors when we lived in houston in cornwall um uh they had five children and i taught the um mum how to peel carrots and cut swede i mean that may sound really basic but it, it's not and to some people that's uh you know she didn't even know what how to how to process swede so or a turnip however whichever you, a neat, you know, we call them a neat up here or a swede yeah <laughs> i'm always confused by that personally a neat or a swede or a turnip what's the difference <laughs> Either way, if you give it with haggis and mash, it tastes real good. Amen, amen, amen. Eats and tatties, right? It, do you know, it's, it, it is a wonderful thing. I, th I think it, it, it sounds to me like, you know, we, we've, got, we've got now problems, we've got medium-term problems, and we've got far-out problems. Yeah. Uh, do you know, the now problem is we need to get people fed and we need to get them healthy. Yeah. Um, and, and this is an... an, an an amazing way of doing it. I think the the medium term problem is going to be 
um, get that kind of resilience built in anyway. But you're going to you're going to be better able to take these things on board if you yourself are fed. All, all that it, it, uh-huh. it leads it leads itself on to the next thing and the next thing. Um, mm. I, I think it's brilliant. I, I mean, the, the other brilliant thing as well is that for, you know when you're working um, in that you know with you guys and being part of that whole ecosystem and by the whole ecosystem i mean the distributors the logistics guys i mean there is a pride to be had in doing what an absolute good so few times in our lives do we get to do something that you can honestly hand and heart say well i did an absolute good today you know the, t- today's mission has you know has been something that has directly benefited my fellow man that's an amazing thing i i that's one of the blessings in my job is that, you know, sometimes you'll get days like that. Then you'll get days like today where it just wasn't like that. <laughs> <laughs> but you know something, hey, I, I, was in, I was in the office when I met Brian and I was with Jack, who's our creative director, and we were talking about other things. And uh, what we noticed about Brian was that Brian had had some food in his hand and he offered his, his he offered his, his bread, his food, to Scott Shackleton because Scott had, hadn't had any lunch. And there he was, living out, the man who gives people food, he was wanting to make sure that Scott, his friend, was fed before he was. And I think there's something beautiful in all of that, Brian, that you gave us a little less. You didn't notice it, but we noticed it. You weren't even thinking about it, but we noticed it. And that's yeah. something that will remain with me for a long time and with Jack, that what you are seeking to do is not about yourself, but you're actually seeking to make a difference in the world. It's an, incred- it's an incredibly powerful thing. Um, when I was at university, I sang in a choir and the choir master was a guy called Douglas Gifford, a kind of famous lecturer in Spanish. But he grew up in the poorest of the poor areas of Peru. And um, whenever Douglas would sit down to have a meal, if we were on tour anywhere, the first thing he would do would be to share out his plates of food and the bits of food that he had to everybody else and make sure everybody else was fed and then he himself would eat. And that's lived with me my entire adult life. Amazing thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I'm trying to find a way to bring all this together because we come to the end of our discussion. And of course, this is our Lenten period. And this is the time when we think of our Lord going into the wilderness and fasting for 40 days and for 40 nights. And the thing is this, that one of the temptations was to turn stones into bread. And Jesus says, man and woman shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. But, you know, I've often thought we have turned stone, we have turned bread into stones within the church. Instead of doing what we're called to do, eh, to talk about we can't feed people by bread, but we have actually sometimes turned the bread of life into stones to make mm-hmm. it difficult for people, make it difficult for people to receive the spiritual food of the kingdom. And so there is something for us to consider and reflect upon tonight, the generosity of feeding the poor, but also the call to be gracious and to be careful that we don't uh, we don't turn the bread of life that we've been given into stones and we make it difficult for others to come to that place 
of of feeding and growth and development. And so there's a, a there's a nice balance there tonight as we've been thinking of these things to to draw spiritual parallels with what we've been hearing. You know, I know I interjected as a bit of a with a bit of fun about one third of the of of food waste. But you know, there's a lot of our preaching and a lot of our teaching is wasted. It goes in deaf ears because it's not it's not it's not connecting. It's not nobody's listening. Or we're answering questions that nobody is asking. And we're not connecting with the issues that people are facing in the life of the church. And so we're called at this time of Lent to think about what it really truly means to follow Jesus and to let Jesus. One of the things in Sanctuary First this month is we're thinking about is what does it mean to let Jesus into our story? You know, again, so often within the church, we want to put, we want to put ourselves into Jesus' story. We want to go back to the first century church and say, oh, wouldn't it be good to be part of the first century church? We want to go back to somewhere where you can't go. But what we're called to do is to allow the resurrection story of Jesus and the new life of Jesus to come into our everyday story Amen. and begin to change our story and begin Amen. to feed the poor and begin to speak words of wisdom to those who are in need and to begin to be inspirational, to feed the 5,000 like Brian's trying to do, to create the miracles because the miracles are there to be created and their hearts are there to be touched if we ask them for help. And so often in my experience in this area where I, I've had some experience in asking people to help to give money for particular issues and third world issues, I always often used to start and say to people, you know, I know you want to help me. Can I help you get rid of some of the blockages that's stopping you from helping me? Because I do know that you've got money. You can help me. And I know if you can help me, you will. And I, and I think we need to go with that positive approach to people. And there are many people who come into the kingdom by starting to start to feed people physically. And then that call to feed the poor takes them into another place where they encounter the risen Christ and the life of Christ. And they ask the question, why are you doing this? Mm -hmm. And of course, we come back to Christ. So, hey, that's my sermon for the night. Very good. <laughs> so listen, guys, thank you for being with us tonight and sharing. It's been a great privilege. And uh, I hope that we'll be able to do more promotion, certainly for Refuel, because we're looking Bless forward you. to going up to Refuel. Looking forward to the, the only thing is this, that... <clears throat> Craig, I'm not sure that Jimison should be allowed to perform at, at, at Refuel. He's absolutely qualified. I can see that already. Oh, yeah. No, no, we'll be up there. Well, you see, my, if you really want to get him there, you've got to tell him he can't come. 
You can't come. No, all the spaces are taken up, Ian. You can't come. We'll maybe get him to come, but we need to try and persuade him to come and be part of the the musical connections there. Mm -hmm. I would very much love to come. I'd very much love to play, but I'll tell you something else just while we're on the subject of getting involved. Um, Brian, have you got anything going on in Glasgow or in Ayrshire where I work? I, I work in the um, the Health and Social Care Partnership as the clinical director. So I don't know, have you got anything in our area? Because I know where I work in Irvine, there are periods of, not periods, sorry, there are places of immense poverty and need. Um, have you got anything? Yeah. Like and, and if you do, please just hit me up with an email. Yeah, so so our our pilot is gonna so the, there's a whole sustainable piece here which we've not tapped into yet, which is the commercial aspect of this, so that we become self-sustaining. So there's a commercial side to this project which we've not gone into, but the pilot will run both the commercial and also the charitable food. Now the the commercial food feeds the charitable food, and therefore the capital equipment investment actually is the seed money that we need to get off the ground. So we need a central production unit, and that's what we're working on now. Once that's in place, then there is no reason why that central production unit could not feed. I mean, the the central production unit we've set up in Cornwall now, that will feed uh, a million meals will come out of that over the next year. So 333 tonnes will be processed, and that will feed Cornwall. That's amazing. That is amazing. Yeah. Wow. I'm amazing. And uh, uh, I, I will be there at the festival. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> we'll save a special, well, you better, special uh, space you better check you. that out with Joanne. <laughs> no, no, no. no we're bring, not your bring, bring, bring your so sunblock. Is all I'll say. A huge thank you, a huge thank you to Brian for being with us tonight. I Thanks think you've opened, you've opened our eyes and our ears. And a huge thank you to you, Craig, for coming Pleasure. and being involved. And we, no doubt, will be hearing more about refuel and promoting it on Sanctuary First thank in the coming weeks and months. Thank you so much. And, and thank you to, to Ian and to Laura for being with us tonight. It's such a joy and it's always a privilege. We've we've been actually quite we're quite solemn tonight. We sometimes pull one another's legs, but we were actually quite good tonight, weren't we? Uh, I was about you know thinking about being you know physically nourished and spiritually nourished you know so it you know it fits a serious matter. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm living proof, man. I'm off to have some dinner now. It's time for supper. <laughs> yeah, it's time for supper. It's time for supper. So, guys, okay. thank you for being with us, and we'll be back again next month when we're going to be thinking about innovation. An innovation Ooh. in the church, and where's that coming from? And we've got one or two interesting um, guests with us that evening. So until next month, catch up with you in the late show. Thank you. See you later. See Bye. you later. Bye. Bye.